Welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. We are glad you are taking advantage of this resource. If you would like to find out more information about our church or connect with us, go to cornerstonebv.org. You can also check us out on our Facebook page, at CornerstoneBV. We hope that the message today impacts your life and draws you closer in your walk with Christ. You guys can have a seat. Good morning. How are we doing? Oh, man. Saturday service beat you guys and you're like three times as many. Come on. How are you doing? I know. All right. That's better. Okay. Um, as, as we begin, I um, am kind of just a little distracted because last night when I, when I started, I was uh, a little nervous because um, my cousin, Matt, who really never goes to church and lives about 45 minutes, well, a little less than that, away, was here in church with us. Um, and he's one of the names that, that I put in the Who's Your One campaign. So um, we're really praying for him and, and sharing the gospel with him. So I just want to thank uh, those of you who asked to have those names and you're praying over those names. God is already bearing fruit for your prayers. So um, now I know how some of you feel like when you bring someone to church, you're like, Jamie, don't screw it up today. I got so-and-so in church. And if you're the one that got brought today, what are you trying to make me a Christian? Yes. But we won't trick you. We just want, just, we love your soul, right? So um, as, as we think about uh, the themes that, that we have gone through, if you've been with us in the series in Leviticus, one of the themes that's, that's really hard, I think, for us to, to grasp um, or just deal with is separation, right? Separ- no one, I mean, no one likes to be separated, especially forced separation. I can think of, of one time that, that uh, I was forced to be separated from society. You can see the picture there. It's like, why are you the pastor, right? Another picture just in case uh, you missed it. Um, and, and, if, and, and, and that's one of those places where, you know, if you're, you're in prison, you can sit there and say, hey, uh, I'm free, and, and pretend you're not really separated. But guess what? You're still separated, right? By the way. I wasn't really in prison, so that's, uh, if you remember the Colossian promo, um, that, uh, that was uh, where that came from. So, you know, I, I think of the, probably the worst time of separation that we, we deal with is someone we love dies, um, especially, well, really at any point, and all of us, uh, I'm guessing, have experienced some type of, of loss. And I've, I've shared many times when my mom died almost 10 years ago now. She died so suddenly, as a heart attack, it was just really hard to deal with that because it's like I had just spoken to her on the phone about a kind of a problem I was dealing with. Um, I always ran to mom, even up to that point. And all of a sudden, she was dead. And my dad was calling me and, and telling me this. And so I, I, can't, I can't talk to my mom, right? I can't, I can't be with her. I can't hug her. I can't. It's just separation. And, and no matter how much I would just want to say, uh, you know, uh, no, uh, I'm not separated. Like, the reality was, yeah, I was. And I have to deal with that. In Leviticus, this idea that sometimes is, is hard and not really taught, I think, well or enough in, in, in churches or in church settings um, because it's hard to deal with. And that is that God is holy and we are separate. Right? We've seen that over and over again. Like the whole, the tabernacle, all that. Like just God is holy. We are unholy. And therefore, we can't go into his presence. We're separate from that. And that's just, you know, more and more you hear taught God like this sort of cosmic Santa Claus, right? Or universe tooth fairy, just, just kind of sprinkles joy on us all and just overlooks everything. I mean, you can believe that. It's just not true. It's not biblical truth, right? So we see throughout Leviticus and throughout all of Scripture that this idea that God is separate from us. And yet, we also see this idea of God's love and grace because 
He wants to dwell with us. But something has to be done to make that possible. Leviticus teaches that. It points God's, to God's love and grace and God's holiness. So as we come to the pinnacle of the book of Leviticus today, let's pray. Lord, I thank you so much that where it is impossible because of our separation to be in your presence, you made it possible. And so, Lord, I ask that you, in a way that only you can do, your power, the Holy Spirit, would come upon us, each and every one of us, whatever we're dealing with today or in, in our life, you know, you know what each of us needs. You, your word just is so alive, it's so active that I pray that it would not be me who tries to reach anyone here, but you, through this message, through your word, through your truth, Lord, that you would convict, encourage, help, um, inspire, uh, be with us. We know you're here with us, Lord. It's a sacred time of just celebrating you, oh God. Work in our lives. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. Um, so uh, we are really going to be spending most of our time in Leviticus chapter 16, touching a little bit on 17, but most of it's chapter 16. It's really the center of the structure of Leviticus, the Day of Atonement. Um, and uh, uh, by the way, I uh, just wanted to, I know some of you already know this, but I was here Wednesday night, and our new Awana Bright, our children's discipleship uh, has really gotten off to an awesome start, at least like it seems to me. I wouldn't know, but it seems like kids are doing great and the leaders are doing great. Um, but just to let you know, something to pray about is we do have a waiting list. There's some kids who want to be a part of that, but we can't because we keep it at a leader-child uh, ratio uh, because we want it to be effective, not just have a ton of kids. And so just be praying for that. We could use a couple of more adult leaders. It's a Wednesday night, so I know it's not always easy for people to fit that in, but just pray that God would provide so we can get those... Um, kids who want to be there as a part of it. I know God will provide that, so I'm just asking for you guys to pray about that and think about that. Um, so uh, as, we, as we look at this, this the day of atonement, this is a uh, sacred day, right, that God will command his people. And, and, and just as a, a review where, where we've come is, is God has, has rescued his people from Egypt, right, and through Moses, and, and they've gone through the wilderness. They get to the, the, the foot of Mount Sinai. He gives the law through Moses. Uh, he gives them very precise instructions how to build the tent of meeting and the tabernacle and all of that. Uh, if, if you were with us, especially the, the first week, but we've, we've brought this, this picture out quite a bit, which just gives you a bird's eye view of what that looked like um, and how God told them to design it. So you have that courtyard you have the, the, in the center of that courtyard, the fire there. That's the altar with the burnt sacrifices. We went over the five different offerings and the slaughter tables for the, the sacrifices. But then you have, in the back, you have the tent, right? And you have two rooms, really, there. Um, and, and, and let me give you a, uh, a closer-up look at that. So the holy place and what's called the holy of holies, the holiest place. Um, and so the, the holy place, you can kind of see what that was designed to look like. And only, so the, the courtyard, if, you know, if, if we're uh, Israelites and commoners, right, we, we could go in there and we could bring our sacrifices and we've been over that. But only priests could go into the holy place. And, you know, they would, uh, you know, burn incense and they would, they would bring, uh, we, we kind of saw, especially the sin offering, bring the blood in there and, um, and, and, and only in, in precise uh, uh, ways and occasions they would go in there, but they would go in there fairly regularly. Again, only Aaron and his kids and, and his line. But then you have 
the Holy of Holies. And you can see we've opened it up so you can see it, but you can see the curtain between the two, right? And that's the curtain that keeps us separate from God. Because the tabernacle's in there, and the mercy seat is in there. And so the, the priest never goes in there. goes up to that curtain, and that's it, except for one day a year, and that's the Day of Atonement. And that's where God is going to uh, lay this out for us in, in this chapter. Um, and so the, the, I think the best place to set the tone or how God set the tone of this day is started in verse 29. It says, this is God's decree, and it shall be a statute to you forever that in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you shall afflict yourselves and shall do no work, either the native or the stranger who sojourns among you. He keeps going. He says, for on this day shall atonement be made for you to cleanse you. You shall be clean before the Lord from all your sins. It is a Sabbath of solemn rest to you, and you shall afflict yourselves. It is a statute forever. Right, so God sets the tone. He tells them when the Day of Atonement is going to be. It's six months after the Passover, right? And, and uh, so it's, it, the, they had a different calendar, but for us it's in October. I think this year it's October 4th. If you know any uh, Orthodox Jewish people, they, they celebrate it. They call it Yom Kippur in their language, right? Uh, that's the Day of Atonement. And, and so you can see the tone is set. This is a heavy, sacred day. This is a Sabbath, that means it's, it's solemn rest, meaning you don't go to work, you don't go to, uh, you know, play a football game or something like that or go whatever things that they did for entertainment. No, no, this was a day to focus and rest, but focus very, very specifically, right, on uh, uh, really letting God sift through your soul. It says afflict yourselves. That's kind of weird, right? It's not like... Uh, uh, he, he meant like we beat ourselves up or, or harm ourselves in some way. Uh, wh- what they would do is they would fast, which anyone's ever fasted right, or, right there, that's an affliction, right? And, and, and it, you, you fast, um, you open the, the scriptures, you, you sit before God, and, and you just let God come to bear and, uh, on, on how I'm doing and what blemishes I have in my life, what sins are, are you know, because... What we can do when we don't focus on it, it's easy to excuse it away. It's easy to pretend it's not there. It's just stay busy, stay, right? They did the same, same techniques that we have to pretend we don't have these blemishes, these sins. And so the, this day was a day, I mean, you, don't, you come face to face with God. Here's how I've lied, how I've lusted, how I've hurt someone, how I didn't love when I should have. Like all those things, and it comes to bear. This is who I am. This is who um, God is. And, and, and so just imagine if right now, and I won't, but imagine if I just said, hey, for 15 minutes, we'll have some, you know, nice music in the background. That's all you're going to do. You're just going to sit before God and let him sift through your soul. That's heavy, right? That's heavy stuff. And that's just 15 minutes. They did it all day on the Day of Atonement. And for a precise reason, because they needed to remember who God is and who they are. And, and, and they, they come before, like, we are unholy. We've sinned. We've got blemishes. We need to be cleansed, right? And, and so they fast, so they remember their need for God. That's why we fast. We don't do it to, to you know, somehow gain improvement from God. What does God really care whether we eat or not? It's more a hunger. The physical hunger brings us in a desperate spiritual hunger in a state of that. And that's what, what they did that, during that day. And that, that really... Um, set the, the tone. It was, it was a, a day of expectation of, of, of the priest that's going to go behind that curtain. And if you remember Leviticus 10, like 
two of Aaron's sons have already died by not doing that right, okay? So, so these people, this is serious stuff to them, and at least it, it should be. Um, and so what happened on the Day of Atonement, um, what God said to do is the, uh, it was really carried out by the high priest, who's Aaron, or eventually when he died, his line would carry this out. I don't know if you remember a few weeks ago, I showed you this picture. And this is uh, an artistic rendition of what the, the high priest looked like, what he wore, day, you know, when he was doing the daily sacrifices and in, in, in the, you know, doing uh, the offerings and all that that we went over. Um, that's what he would wear. And it's very ornate. It's very elaborate. It's very fitting for a position of the high priest who stands between God and, and, and people, right? But, but the thing is, God actually gave an order for a whole different outfit for one day, the Day of Atonement. And this is kind of a picture of that. Big difference, isn't it? I mean, he sort of looks like he's got a nightgown on there, right? Like, like Scrooge or something, you know, because it's simple. Some have said that is uh, the clothing of a slave, white and simple. And we're never told why God said to do that. I think the best reason that I can think of is that there's a very big difference. He's not just standing where the people can see him. He's going to go behind the curtain in the presence of God. And there, I don't care who you are. You are nothing but a slave before the presence and holiness of God. So he's, he, put, he, he goes through this whole, uh, on the Day of Atonement, he goes through this whole ritual where he cleanses himself. He puts this new uniform on, right? And, and he brings a bull um, to the... Uh, uh, to, to make atonement for himself. But first, let me, let me just give you the, the, what I think best describes the purpose. Right? This is, thus he shall make atonement for the holy place. Because of the uncleanness of the people of Israel, and because of their transgressions, all their sins, and so he shall do for the tent of meeting which dwells with them in the midst of their uncleanness. So that he's going to go through all of this because it's tainted. People are sinful. God is holy. So everything that they, they touch and get a part of, that they need to be cleansed, right, because they are separate from God. And, and, and so, again, he, he uh, let me bring you back to this picture so you can sort of picture it. He, he, he brings, uh, none of the people can be in the courtyard for this, this day of atonement. They're all solemnly watching. And Aaron brings a spotless bull, the highest animal sacrifice, if you remember, the most costly. And he, and he brings it and he slaughters it as a sin offering. Remember, there was five different offerings. This is a sin offering. And, and uh, uh, he, he, he goes through the whole thing. He burns it and everything that he's supposed to do. Um, and, but if you remember the difference between a sin offering and the other ones is what is done with the blood, right? The, there's usually in the other offerings, it's smeared on the altar and drained away. But with a sin offering, right, you had some collected. Nobody panic. It's not real blood. Calm down. And a basin, probably look a lot better than this Tupperware that I have, but you get it, right? And, and, and so the high priest would take some of the blood. And so a normal everyday sin offering, he would take some of this, he would go into the uh, holy place, right, right up to the veil. My wife hates it when I use blankets from home for stuff like this. She's like, there's probably a stain on it, but hey, you can get the picture. It's all I got, right? And he comes up to the veil, and remember, he sprinkles the blood, right, on the veil. But that's it. He doesn't go beyond that. That's the normal sin offering, okay? For this one, on the Day of Atonement, the bull, he gets the blood, right? And this time, he, for the one day a year, can you imagine if you're collect, you're out there by the courtyard, like, you know, man, this is serious stuff. Is he going to survive this going into the presence of God? And he would 
uh, go beyond the veil. Now imagine we change camera views, okay? Now you're in the, the, the most holy place watching. And he comes in, and the first thing he's told to do is to light, to take incense and light it. So it's covering the, the, the mercy seat. And, 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 and it says he needs to do that so he doesn't die. Which is, we're not really sure why he would die, except he probably would look upon God, and you can't. There's separation, right? The whole theme of this. So now he takes this blood, and, we're, and, and just in the Day of Atonement, of this bull, and he sprinkles it on the mercy seat itself to bring cleansing to it, right? And then he comes back out. All the people are out there going, Aaron made it, right? And, and he comes out. Now, here's the thing that you need to understand, I think, about this bull. This was not a sacrifice for the people. This was a spe- sacrifice for Aaron himself, the high priest. He's a sinner just like anyone else. He needs atonement. Right? That sacrifice, that was for him and his defilement so he can be cleansed so then he can make a sacrifice for the congregation, all the rest of the people. And, and so what, when, he, when he comes outside of the, um, uh, the, the after sacrificing and, and sprinkling the, the blood, right, he, he then comes out and there, there is a, uh, the congregation brings to him two goats, two goats. And he casts lots, and it's this really dramatic scene. And he casts lots, and the lucky, or maybe unlucky goat, <laughs> that wins is the one to be sacrificed. The other goat is going to be sent away outside, never to return again. And we'll get to that, that goat in, in a second. But first, he, he sacrifices this goat as a sin offering. Just like the bull, he goes through the whole thing, right? And then he takes... The, the blood, right? And, and this is now for the people and their sin and defilement. And just on the Day of Atonement, he again goes behind the curtain and he comes to the mercy seat, the, 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 um, making sure that it's the, the incense is covering the, the mercy seat and he sprinkles the blood of the goat for the sin offering. This one is for the people, for the defilement and the, the sin and for atonement for their sin. And then, so, the, so that's for the people, and he comes back out, okay, and you have this other goat. What do we do with that one? And I, I thought it best uh, to, to bring you that one. Hold on, here we go. I think I got, oh, wait, I messed up here. There it is. I've been bouncing around so much. Okay, so this is what he does for the second goat. It says in verse 21, And Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the iniquities of the people of Israel and all their transgressions, all their sins, and he shall put them on the head of the goat and send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a man who is in readiness. The goat shall bear all their iniquities on itself to a remote area, and he shall let the goat go free in the wilderness. Right? So he... he he specifically puts both hands on this goat. And by doing that, he's transferring the guilt and blemish and sin of all the people on that poor goat. Ever hear scapegoat? That's where it came from, right? And he sends the goat. And he actually, there's a guy who's, who's put in that position to take the goat, bring it outside the camp, never to return again. We don't really sure what he did with that goat. A lot of theories. But never to return. Why never to return? Because He's taking the sin. He's bearing the sin. And, 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 and if that sin comes back, it taints 
the whole tabernacle and the tent of meeting again. And so it becomes the scapegoat, bears the iniquity of the people. Aaron then washes, puts on his regular clothes. Everyone else who had a part in the ceremony washes. And Aaron does one more, this time a burnt offering of a ram to make atonement for he and all of the congregation. That's what happened in the Day of Atonement. Now, to kind of go with that, chapter 17, there's a lot there that that we're not going to get into, but there's one part that I think is important, and that's the blood. Why blood? Right? Why is it so important? In chapter 17, um, uh, we have uh, the Lord say this in verse 11. For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I've given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. So the life's in the blood. This has always been, a, even all the way back to Noah, when they first started slaughtering and, and, and allowed to, to eat animals, Noah, right? He said, don't eat the blood. And it's, it's always been the case. Now, we remember last week, Jesus made, declared all foods clean, right? But God had a very specific reason for this, and he tells us why. The life's in the blood. And you know this, any time I've visited someone who's in the hospital, they usually have like two complaints, big complaints. One, the food, right? And two, they won't let me rest. They're like vampires. They keep coming in and taking my blood. Over and over again, they're taking my blood. Why do they do that? Because it's so important. The blood tells you so much about what's going on in your body. The life's in the blood. If you lose too much blood, you die, right? So, so the blood represents the life of the sacrificial animal. And what God is saying is there needs to be a life for a life. For them to not die because of their sin and blemish, that animal has paid the price in their place. So that's why it was sacred. And so the Day of Atonement was done over and over and over again because that priest and those animals couldn't be completely enough. And so I don't blame you if you're sitting here and you're going, okay, why do we need to do all this? These kind of crazy rituals that, it's 2021, Jamie, like, I mean, we're, can't we just deal with the New Testament? Or, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're like, you know, maybe someone's really loves history of, of random things, but, like, why do we need, to? I, I came to church, man, I'm feeling lonely. Right? I, I, or I'm, I'm feeling broken, or I'm feeling shame, or I'm feeling regret, or I'm feeling, right? And, and what's this going to do? We're talking about bulls and goats and blood and veils and, and incense and high priests and clothing. It's crazy. It's too much, right? And, and so the reason it's so critical to understand the Day of Atonement that happened year after year after year is because it was a shadow, a giant pointer, right, straight to what we might call the Day of Atonement, where God's own Son shed His holy, perfect blood, life for life, where God's Son went outside the camp or the city to bear the iniquity of God's people, you and me. And so you don't understand the Day of Atonement, or at least the depth of it, unless you understand the decrees in the Day of Atonement they did year after year. Think about um, it, it, a common, common scripture in Matthew 26 that we read when we celebrate the, the Lord's Supper. This is during Passover where they celebrate the first covenant. And Jesus is going to institute the new covenant by his blood. 
right? And, and so he takes Passover, turns it into the Lord's Supper, and, and remember what he said as he takes the cup of wine. He says he took a cup, uh, Matthew writes, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. See, now you grasp it. Like this wine represents, symbolizes the blood he's going to pour out. And he's going to do that, right? Instead of a bull or a goat, it's now going to be God's perfect son who's going to shed his blood. Why? So that we can be cleansed. So that we can be in the presence of God. So that we might be made holy. And so, you probably know the story. After they're done with that, they go, they sing a hymn, they go into the garden. Judas betrays Jesus. He's arrested, handed over. Chief priest, they, they beat him, mock him, spit on him. Falsely charge him, illegal trial. And the next day, they hand him over to the Romans. Pontius Pilate, who doesn't really want to do anything with him, but the crowds are just chanting over and over again, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. Over and over. So Pilate's too weak, and he just sends Jesus to his death. He has him whipped, scourged, which was a brutal whipping where his flesh begins to come off. Blood begins to flow. So much so that, that when the next time came and he had to, to take his cross, he had to bear it himself and he just needed help because the life is in the blood and it was literally pouring out of him. He was too weak, too exhausted. They put a crown of thorns on him. They beat him Again, spit on him, mock him. Simon helps him. And he carries that. And the reason he had to carry it to a place is he didn't crucify. You didn't do this in the camp, in the city of Jerusalem. You do it outside. So he went outside our scapegoat to bear the iniquities for us. So they get where in between two criminals already bleeding, already exhausted. And they take these nails and they put them through his wrists and his feet. And with complete, with no mercy at all, you can hear the nails being nailed. And there God's perfect son, never sinned, is hanging from this cross between two criminals. Blood coming out and hard to breathe. And darkness descends. God's wrath should be on us. It's on him. As they're nailing, like, think about it. As they're nailing Jesus, as, as, as they're doing that to him with torture, right? He's saying, Father, forgive them. Could you do that? I couldn't. Forgive them for they know not what they do. Literally saving them while they kill him. That's Jesus. And in the midst of that darkness, he, he says, it is finished. It is accomplished. My life for yours is done, complete. It's finished. And then, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Breathes his last. He gives his life. No one took it. He dies life for life. His blood shed for us. That's the day of atonement. Except only has to be done once. Why? Because three days later, he didn't stay dead. 
The bulls and goats always did, not Jesus. So the day of atonement is for us. After he died, Matthew says this, staying with Matthew, and behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, top to bottom. Now you, know, now you see why that happened. Imagine if you were there, like ministering, you're one of the Levites, you're ministering in the temple, and there's the, this huge veil, right, thick veil, and all of a sudden just whoosh, what is this? And the reason it was torn in two is that it was never to be, ever to be closed again you can go into the presence of God because of the day of atonement. The, 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 the whole idea of separation, impossible. I'm unholy. I can't go to God. Jesus, the Lamb of God, makes what is impossible possible. The writer of, of, of Hebrews puts it this way. For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. He has no need like those high priests to offer sacrifices daily, first for his own sins and then for those of the people, since he did this once for all when he offered up himself. He doesn't need to do it every year and on and on. He doesn't need to cleanse himself because he never sinned. Right? All of those, the, 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 the bulls and goats, and that it was all just a shadow, right? Ch uh, Hebrews um, chapter 9. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of, our, of God on our behalf. No, nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy place every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And finally, just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Anyone here eagerly waiting for him? He's coming to you to save you the day of atonement, to make what was impossible, possible. Once and for all, that's why Jesus isn't on our cross. He's not continually dying. He did it once. It was enough. It is finished. Paid in full. His blood, his life for ours to gain our forgiveness has seemed so easy because it is grace. It was not easy for him. All we have to do is believe and trust in what he's done for us. See, if you don't understand Leviticus 16, it's really hard to understand the gospel. To understand the depths of the cross and the blood shed for us. God isn't a cosmic Santa Claus. Overlooking our sin. He's a holy God who dealt with our sin. Look, again, as I said when I opened, you can... You can um, believe that, oh, I don't, you know, God doesn't judge. I don't believe God judges. I mean, you can believe that if you want. It's just not biblical truth, so don't say it is. It's not. You read the scripture, you realize, no, 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 God does judge. <laughs> there is wrath. There is sin. He is holy. It's part of who he is, and yet God so loved you that he paid it for you. 
That's the point of the gospel. Leviticus teaches God's holiness, but also God's love. Because why would he make all of those rites and all that? There's a shadow of things to come. If he didn't love us, he could have just been like, you're unholy, get out. But he didn't. By his grace. See, God, I don't want you to think, yeah, he's not a cosmic Santa Claus, but he's also not some scrunchy, glaring, angry, I wish I didn't create you God. That's not who he is. He loves you that much that he did that. Think of that. And I know some of you have thought of that so many times. Think of it again. Preach it to yourself. That's how much God loves you. That's how much you are forgiven. That's how much you're free. Because of the blood that was life for a life to make what was impossible possible. And so that answers the, the question earlier. It's like, I, I came, Jamie, because I'm a mess. Yup, that's why Jesus came. I came because I'm broken. That's why Jesus came. I came, I, I, I'm here today, and I'm, I'm feeling great regret and great shame. And here's what you do. Was, is, is if you're just kind of pretending that you're really okay, is you, you, you just, you don't sit before God, and you just, you just keep yourself busy, Right? And we're even better at that because we have something we can scroll constantly. Keep my mind off of my regrets, my shame. But here's the thing. At night or when you're alone with your thoughts, you know what comes. Right? You, you know you can't. Like, you can't do anything about it. That's a hard place to be. And yet, it's a good place to be because that's when you turn to God Almighty who did something about it. Right? That, that what we do is we... We, we, wanna, we realize we have this pain, and so then we numb it with the pleasures of the world. And it's kind of like, you ever seen those, uh, when you play a board game, those hourglasses with sand, and it just sifts way too quick? It's like, where's that going? That's what it is. It's like, oh, it feels good in the moment, and then it's gone. I need something else. It's gone. No, you need Christ. Like, he will give you the purpose. He will give you the meaning that your life needs. His life for yours. The day of atonement, which made what was impossible, being in the presence of God, possible. The Hebrews writer said what? That this isn't just so you can go into the tabernacle. This is we can actually go into the gates of heaven for all of eternity because of who he is and what he's done. Here's what I want to do um, to close today. I'm going to invite our worship team up and I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes and take a, take a deep breath. And I just want to take a minute, not 15, and certainly not a whole day. I want you to feel the weight of your sin. I know it's not fun. I don't think we do it enough. I want to wipe out the excuses. I don't want us to think too highly of ourselves. Just take a second for us to focus on our unholiness. How have you lied? How have you lusted? How have I cheated? What situation should I have loved but I didn't? Where was I full of pride and arrogance? Have I hurt someone with my words, my actions? Where are the regrets? Where are the shame? I want to remind you 
all of that iniquity. All of it was put on Jesus. There's not a sin or blemish in your past, oh Christian. Jesus said, I I can't, I, I just can't deal with that one. causes you to feel like dirt because you did it and you did. And yet, you're free from it. That blemish is gone. You're forgiven. That blood covered it. It is perfect. The grace of God has freed you from why do you care? Like we say, the foot of the cross is level. Whatever it is you did, trust in the forgiveness provided by the Lamb of God. By God's grace, walk in it. Lord, I pray that anyone who's never trusted Jesus, maybe today's the first time you just said, I'm going to stop running. You got me, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that you give them the courage to take the next steps to trust you, not just in salvation, but in their life. And we, Lord, as a church, will come alongside and help them, disciple them, bless them, and cheer them on. Father, for those in the room feeling this, this burden or the regret of the past or something we've done or how we've failed, oh Lord, that we would walk in that freedom. It's you, Jesus. Stay in worship together.